0: Welcome to the podcast. Again, I'm excited for you to be here. Go ahead and tell me a little bit about yourself, Robin, and what you do, and then I will dissect all parts of your being. Go.
1: <laughs> well, I'm thrilled to be here. And um I'm I'm a human services person myself. And so I'm super excited just to connect with you and your audience because it matters so much to me personally. So I am a joy coach. I am a certified life coach through the International Coaching Federation. And I specialize in helping the depleted givers of the world have more joy in their buckets because they're so good at caring about everybody else and they could run out, they could run dry. And you know, the the risk is so great there. And so my goal is just to reach these people who are in the trenches doing good things and help them to just Pour into their own joy buckets to fill up and to feel good on a personal level, so that they don't run out and that they have something to give from. So, yeah, it encompasses people like you, um, just people who are in the trenches that care about other people because it matters so much that you can continue to do that. I don't want you to run out.
0: I love it. I can tell that you are definitely key speaker. You just have that presence, and you you just kind of laid it out like a red carpet for me. So now I'm excited. to dive in. Um, right. One of my questions is why joy? And I know we'll probably touch on that throughout the conversation, but you know, you're the first joy coach I've ever met. And so usually it's like life coach, right? So why joy kind of tell me a little bit about that.
1: Thanks for asking that question. I think my answer would be why not? Um, I have seen the impact that joy makes or the absence of joy, how, how that affects people on a really personal level, all different populations. And, you know, when I was going through school to become a life coach and came to the part where I got to decide, now what, you know, like, what direction do I want to go? What's my specialty? I really kept coming back to the people that I had already served. And, and I could see that joy was that common denominator and I didn't know it. At the time, it wasn't like I said, when I grow up, I want to be a joy coach. You know, I basically blazed a trail. I just decided to try this thing because I saw it on so many levels and I knew it would affect people for the good. And so I just kind of threw it out there and it was right before the pandemic hit (laughs) as things would have it. So interesting timing. What
0: experiences, whether they're professional or personal, kind of brought you into this avenue of focusing on joy?
1: Well, you know, the people that I had the privilege of serving and working with and knowing were not always people who had a lot of joy in their lives. So um, the first thing that I did when I graduated from college as a registered dietitian was taught at the college level. And about 10 years into that, I was approached by a doctor who wanted his patients to have access to a dietitian. And so I opened a little private nutrition counseling practice right then and there. And what was really interesting was, I saw his patients and they had heart disease and um, high blood pressure and obesity issues, but eventually it morphed into a practice that specialized in helping people recover from deadly eating disorders. I connected with some therapists in the area and we began to refer patients back and forth and realized that you know by teaming up together, we could really serve these people better. And this was when the whole joy thing really entered in, because while people were coming to me to get help with their relationship with food, and we did dig into that a lot, we also really took a hardcore look at why do the work at all, because the work that they were being asked to do was really difficult. I mean, if it were easy, the success rate of recovery would be much higher than it is. It's about So here I am, you know, with people with anorexia who are on death's door, people with bulimia nervosa, you know, people with binge eating disorder. These are people in many cases who had suffered for years. I remember one patient, one client was in her mid sixties and she had had bulimia since elementary school. And so you can imagine how joy was not very present in her life for a majority of it. And yet, you know, she came to me to talk about food and we did, but we really dug into what was waiting on the other side. You know, what was waiting on this day? Why do the work at all? What what did she want out of life? What was missing? What's fun for her and what was she doing about it? Was she existing or was she living? And in this case, so many of my people, they were literally just existing. They were hanging on day by day. And so it was really interesting because I noticed... You know, as I did more with my clients than they were expecting, they began to recover a little quicker. So, for example, I had one client that had a really hard time sitting there and talking to me. It was really hard to just look me in the face and share. So we began to take walks during our sessions. We would walk around town, and the more we walked and the more we talked about life outside of the office and the more we kicked the leaves in the fall and got on the swings in the park while we were talking, the more hope I saw this woman have and I realized, oh my gosh, this is the missing piece. Like it's more than just the food. It's more than the therapy. It's about joy and about like a reason for recovering. And so that was the first population where I was like, Hmm, that's really interesting. But I didn't, you know, I didn't stop there because at that point, you know, I had served that population for a long time and I, and I felt like I was being kind of pulled in a new direction. And this was the direction of working with kids. And my church was looking for a youth minister and I had been serving as a volunteer youth leader with my husband for about eight years with the younger kids. And I realized, wow, like this is a population I really wanna do more with. And so gradually I closed my nutrition counseling practice and I just worked with kids. And you want to talk about a population that was struggling hardcore. These were teenagers who had so much weight on their shoulders. They had so much pressure to accomplish so many things in such a limited amount of time. The resources were limited, support was limited. They were floundering in so many cases. And I began to see that same thing all over again. It was a joy thing. This was a group of people who would just flourish if somebody would help them to put a little more joy in their buckets. And so that's what we did and we had a ton of fun and so for another 7 years like we did all these crazy things together and grew this group but it was really about finding joy in our relationships with God, with each other, you know like all of this stuff came together. And then I was like, okay, now what? You know, I I didn't stick out nutrition. I I knew I couldn't stick out being in youth ministry forever. The turnover rate is about every two years. I was in it for like 15. And, you know, something was coming my way. I didn't really know what. And so I thought, well, while I'm trying to figure this out, you know, I'm gonna do something really fun. I'm just gonna serve somebody who just needs to have some fun. And I realized that our local um, assisted living place had an opening for an activity director. And I thought, wow, that would really be the opposite of teens and fourth graders. <laughs> but OK, like, how fun would that be? And so for a couple of years, that's what I did. And, and I stayed at the one in our town and then I transferred to a, another assisted living place. And, and that was the place where I really began to see it all coming together. This common denominator of joy. It was so consistent. I mean, this was a population that was forgotten. By so many people, you know, they still wanted to have adventure. They still felt like kids on the inside. They wanted to laugh until their stomachs hurt. You know, they wanted to do crazy things that their grandkids probably wouldn't approve of. It was like a population that was just hungry to have a time. And what was so interesting was so many of the folks that I was working with had Alzheimer's and other forms of dementia. And when we laughed more, their memory loss just decreased. And the things that were coming out, these stories that had been buried, began to surface and they were sharing. And the more I could get them to laugh and have joy, it was, it was like, I don't want to say it was a cure because it wasn't, but it was a temporary window into clarity and it was beautiful. And so at that time I decided, okay, I'm going to make this official. So I went into school for coaching and and claim joy is my ticket, and here we are.
0: (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. I like to imagine that you are not reintroducing something or not bringing something new into the field of human services and the professional side of it, but reintroducing it. Because there is, I'm sure, it's founded to assume that Joy is crucial to our work, both as individuals, but also as professionals, like in treating others and caring for others, but also in the way that we seek and understand what's valuable with our work. But obviously it's missing in some places because I can confidently say I'm sure laughter and joy isn't part of the list of things that a professional Therapist or doctor might say, you know, if you have Alzheimer's or if you're at risk for Alzheimer's, find more joy. It's not gonna be on that list of this is the prerogative, right? Right. So do you think we've gotten kind of far away from from that principle, or if if it was ever really recognized, you know, in the history of human services? I mean, it's there, but it's it's foggy, right? It's it's what part of it is it is so important and crucial to human services?
1: such a good question. You know, and I think that we view joy as something that's kind of fluffy. It's optional, it's nice to have it, but we don't see it as critical. We don't see it as foundational. And when you meet a population that has been without it for an extended period, for example, the senior citizens, you know, when they weren't laughing as much, when they weren't having adventures, Oh, believe me, they they could easily speak to just how critical joy actually is, how non-extra um, it is, but just how foundational it is. And so it's funny because, you know, in medicine or in human services, we, we don't see it as a priority. We don't see it as prescriptive. <laughs> you know, we don't. Um, yeah, it doesn't really enter into our conversation until after. Maybe we've experienced it at work. You know, we've shared that with our clients. We've had a moment of joy and we realize this made things better. This impacted my view of what I'm doing. You know, so like within the human services industry, there are so many requirements in any given day. You know, there are so many demands on our time. There's so many things we have to accomplish boxes that we have to check and joy isn't one of them right it's not on that list and we can so easily get bogged down in what is expected of us what are what our tasks are for the day that we can just blow right through the day or the week or even an extended period of time without laughing without bringing like fire into how we serve and who we serve and why but when we stop and we think about the impact that it that it has on not only us but on the people that we care so much about then we realize man this is a piece that's been missing all along it's really exciting to feel good and you can bet that the people that we serve they probably aren't feeling all that great either right they're coming to us for all kinds of difficulties whether it's you know they need immunizations or they've got some kind of an illness or you know, they, they're they having a hearing problem or they, they're lacking education or maybe they can't speak the language and they're having difficulty communicating or, you know, maybe they're about to lose their house. These are people who are really hurting. And when we can meet them with joy in our hearts and just, you know, have this thing that's contagious, they're going to pick up on it. Whether we're intentionally sharing it or not, when we have it, It just naturally flows out and it is received so beautifully. So, you know, not only are these people having their physical needs met, but they're having that deeper need met, you know, just to feel good as a human being again, because it does feel good to feel good. And it sounds really elementary to say that, but boy, when we dig into the truth behind that, holy cow, like it feels good to feel good. And it's great to stop and ask when is the last time I could really say that I felt good? And what am I willing to do about it? And when I do that, I don't keep it to myself. It just naturally spills out to the people that I'm with. So that's one of the things I love the most about joy is just how contagious it is. It is like, if we could spread that like a pandemic, can you even imagine the impact that that would have? I
0: feel like that'd be a crucial point of pure biological evolution at that point we'd all be terrified off our butts like what is this mutual shared joy I don't know (laughs) Be like discovering fire again you know can you talk a little bit more about in your experience where you've seen joy be so fundamental or at least crucial to either uh, you as a human services you know professional in your own right or those that you've like supported or cared for in the past like what does that kind of look like if we're thinking day to day as professionals.
1: Oh yeah, that's such a good question. I mean, joy joy can be found in a lot of aspects of life. And so, it's it's kind of good to consider, you know, which parts of life bring us joy and how can we bring those into life more often. And so, here's an example, connection. Connection is something that brings joy to most people. <laughs> I can't say all people because, you know, I I just don't know that for a fact. But in general, it is something that fills us up with joy. You know, when you're on a subway and you just strike up a conversation with a stranger and all of a sudden you feel like somebody got you, like somebody saw you and and made you feel like you mattered. That's what I'm talking about. Or or if it's a family member and, and they ask you just the right question and you can share this thing and they want to know more, and suddenly you just feel like you're on the same page. That's connection, and it brings joy. And so, yeah, I mean, in terms of the human services industry, it doesn't matter which part of that industry you're in. If you can bring connection into those conversations, into those brief moments that you have with the people that you're serving, I can almost guarantee you're going to feel joy, and they're going to feel joy. So, you know, there's so many examples. I'm like having a hard time picking just one, but one that came to mind was um, years ago. I was serving as a dietitian at our county's health department. And I didn't know that I was a human services worker. (laughs) I had not been told that I was in the human services industry until one day I noticed like it's on the sign. It was the human services building (laughs) of our county. I was like, oh, wow, wonder what that is. And so, you know, I, I worked in a county where we had a large percentage of Hispanics because it's a migrant farming community. We've got lots of rural areas. And so there were lots of people who spoke Spanish that would come in for services. And so like I would help people with pregnancy health and, you know, answering basic nutrition questions. I taught a lot of classes at the community level and stuff. Well, I distinctly remember this moment of connection that I shared with this young girl who came in for pregnancy nutrition counseling. And I don't remember exactly how old she was, but she was young. She maybe 15, 16. And You know, she came in and and brought a translator with her because I don't speak a word of Spanish. (laughs) Eventually, I, I ended up leading two mission trips to Nicaragua as a youth pastor, still not speaking any Spanish other than Baños, which I got down really easily. So here I am, you know, trying to help this girl. She was scared. And, you know, she, she was confused and can you imagine, you know, you're 15 and you find out that you're having a baby and now all of a sudden all these experts are telling you how it should be done. And, and, and I didn't speak her language. And so I realized that whenever I shared my nutrition advice and then had to wait for the translator to say it in Spanish, I had a choice to make. And the choice was, you know, do I look at the translator or do I look at the client? And I quickly realized that by holding eye contact with this girl, as I spoke all this nutrition stuff into the world that she couldn't understand, just by connecting with her through her eyes, like there, there is the truth to the eyes being the window of the soul. Like I'm so, I'm so thankful when people will look me in the eye. And so here I am sharing this stuff looking this girl in the eye and her translator it's so funny you know like i'm this health professional and i would give paragraphs and then i would (laughs) wait and then the translator would give a sentence (laughs) in spanish and the whole time i did not take my eyes off of the scared girl and she knew that i was there for her and it was tempting and i kept wanting to look at the translator every time the translator spoke but i didn't do it It was all about connection with this girl. And I'll have to tell you that just that simple act was really all it took to bring joy into what could have been a really scary situation. She would listen. She would respond. She would trust me because joy had entered in just simply through that act of connection. So, I mean, that's just one brief example. But I think that, you know, because we have so many demands on our time in the human services world, we can forget. How important it is to just see people as humans who have needs and who matter. And and by looking them in the eye and by listening when they respond, listening to learn rather than listening to kind of come back with our answer, but listening to understand, oh my gosh, we can build so much connection and joy. And I and I really think that it's going to go just as far as whatever thing it is that we're sharing this wisdom, this professionalism that we this <laughs> this knowledge we're trying to impart. That's good stuff, but man, meeting somebody on a human level, I think that's just as valuable.
0: I think you make a very solid point in kind of prescribing where that joy falls off for us in our experience as professionals, and I think. It manifests in many ways, but the two that come to mind immediately for me are either you've lost sight of the joy, right? You overlook it, right? It's there. Maybe you are doing a phenomenal job connecting with people with your body language or however way you're trans, you know, making that connection. It maybe is easy for you and your work, but you have done it so often that you're forgetting to notice it, right? You get used to it, or it becomes less and less a part of your work. Whether you notice it or not, uh, maybe you're you're not you're not allocated enough time to really connect with people in the way that you're used to as a professional. It's either we are doing it, we're experiencing these moments of potential joy and missing them, or they start to fall off into the, to, to the wayside because they're not prioritized. And I think both lead to the same consequence, which is burnout. As much as that word is thrown around, I think. The lack of joy or the absence of it is definitely, absolutely a huge, you know, component to burnout in our field and plenty of other caregiving fields, which I again will always argue fall under the same umbrella. Burnout is like it is the, it can be, and most time it is like the make or break of you, and not just as surviving in the profession, but being good at your job, being, you know acting out the values that brought you into the field of service anyways, like that can be crumbled if the joy is absent and all the other things that come with it.
1: You are so right. And you know, when we serve people, we generally serve people who are like us, you know, um, especially in like the coaching industry or the the consulting industry, you know, we, <laughs> I could never be like a a coach for, People who love numbers, you know, I love me a great accountant, (laughs) but I don't, I don't have a passion for numbers and my brain doesn't work that way. And like I've told my kids over the years, get your homework done during the week, because I am exempt from having to do math on weekends. Like that's just how it is. So I'll, I'll probably never speak to a group of accountants, but who the people that I'm drawn to are the people you just mentioned, the people who are struggling with burnout because I've been there. And I have been there too many times to count. And so those are my people. Those are the ones like I really want to reach before it's too late. Because it's a place I wouldn't want anyone else to go. And so it's a it's a matter of if this matters so much, then what are what are we gonna do about it? Right. Because we get so many messages. Oh my gosh, like there are podcasts everywhere, there are you know articles online, there are posts on social media. We know that our country is in a crisis of burnout. We we hear it all the time and we hear all kinds of things we should be doing about it. There's so much help available. And yet, here we are, right? So, like, new studies continually come out that say two thirds of you know health professionals are burned out you know sixty six percent of parents are struggling with burnout. It's one study after another, so we've got all this influx of information. I don't know that we're applying it. I don't know that we're really doing the things that are so abundant you know this this knowledge is out there, but what are we doing and so yeah my my challenge, my charge for the people who are listening is really just to pause and think about where are you really at with your level. Of of burnout, where are you really at with the joy and your joy bucket? Because it is almost impossible to give a dang about somebody else when you don't have your own basic needs met in the first place. And, (laughs) you know, getting to a place of burnout will make it so hard to serve with anything but a sense of duty and obligation. And, you know, if you get to a place of apathy, Good luck being an effective human services professional. I mean, it is almost impossible. And anybody who's been there knows exactly where I'm coming from. I have been there. And that's why this matters so much to me. And so, yeah, if we can stop the train, listen to this advice, think about whether or not we're actually implementing any of it, and maybe give it a little try. We might find like, oh, we feel like us again, and we can give from a place of fullness. That's what it's about. Because if you've been on the other end, if you've been a recipient of advice or, you know, help that was that came from a place of obligation, you felt it. You know exactly what that feels like. It does not feel good at all. We went into human services because we care about people. It wasn't for the money. It wasn't for the title, right? It was really about wanting to make a difference. It was really about wanting to help people. And when we are apathetic, we cannot do that. We have to meet our own needs first, and then we'll have something to give from. Yeah, burnout is my favorite topic. I, I will do anything to help audiences or individuals avoid burnout. That's why I coach. That's why I speak. That is my biggest message is about filling up with joy and avoiding burnout or rising out of burnout so that we can care more.
0: Part two with Robin premieres Tuesday, June 6th. In the meantime, make sure you check out her website, joytotheworldcoaching.com, as well as her new book, Messy Joy, how joy can begin before your difficulties end.